Oh, snap! The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and friends. Well, we don't let friends feed kibble. It is Monday morning, so we're getting your week started right. And that is right with Dr. Andy. Good morning, Dr. Andy. Good morning, Dee Dee. How was your Happy week? Monday. Happy <laughs> Monday. How was your week last week? Was it good? Did you have a good week? I had a great week. Yeah? Yeah. Did you find out what that doggone barking dog food was? That why was he barking at his food? Oh, I still don't know why I'm barking at her at her food, but I did find out that um, mom's feeding her from kibble. So, well, that's it right there. Most likely, yeah. Seeing so, weird. We'll stuff. work on it. We're gonna work yeah. on it. Yeah. So I I never understand, and I get this a lot. Um, well, we've changed their diet. We've changed the protein many, many times. And I'm like, no, you're going from a donut to a donut to a donut. We're just changing the donut, right? Maybe it's maple, maybe it's glaze, maybe it's, uh, you know, chocolate, but they're all freaking donuts. And what I attempt to explain to clients is it's probably not the protein anyway. It's how processed it is. It's the level of carbohydrate load. It's all this other stuff, even though everything they hear from their veterinarians, it must be the protein, must be the protein. I'm like, like chicken or turkey or beef, you know, the different ones, they must have an allergy. No, they just can't digest it folks. Well, speaking of that, and, and I do want to pose a question that, that Brian, who is so great, our employee always comes up with these great questions, but I was looking at uh, in Dr. Brady's book about carbohydrates. And this is one thing that baffles the tar out of me uh, with, with vets, because he's talking about dry kibble food and pancreatitis. So many times, you know, Dr. Andy, we hear when dogs go in, they have digestive problems that they need to be put on a low fat diet because they have pancreatitis. And he said, you know, here's the thing. Um, dogs suffering from pancreatitis is because of high carbs, not fat. Okay. It is not the fat. They have never seen, uh, the dietary fat causing pancreatitis in dogs. It is the high carbs because as the failing organs struggle to break down fat in the diet, more vitamin E is required to clean up the excess fat, but um, this is in dry, uh, fed dogs. So as fat builds in the blood of dogs consuming high carb diets, the body screams for more lipase to get that fat out of the blood and the pancreas complies. And he says, um, of course a carnivore's pancreas should be able to cope with this, right? Uh, it will be able to cope with fat and, um, sadly, this is when the vets tend to blame the owner for their dietary, you know, picks, right. That their, that their dog is, is getting too high to fat. And then they, they, they advise their, uh, their owners to put these dogs on low fat. There's a whole thing on it in here. There's a whole thing. Yes. Right. And they do a lot of tests and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it is not the fat. And yet, mm-hmm. We get the people coming over, I need a low fat. Well, what 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 do you mean by low fat? Right. And so not reading that book and just talking to clients for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. it, the typical story with pancreatitis is the kibble fed dog that may have gotten into the bacon grease or may have gotten into the trash and got some you know, chicken skins. Yeah. It's the kibble fed dogs that can't handle the extra fat. Their digestion's been compromised for so many years, eating the dry food with the high carbs that they can't handle it. And it does send them into pancreatitis. Whereas if my dogs got into that, 
they'd be fine. Like I don't worry about their fat content or, you know, sometimes they get extra butter or this oil or that, you know, it doesn't matter, but yeah. And then they do, they put them on the low fat, which ups the carbohydrate, which stresses the system further and continues to keep the pancreas struggling. Yeah. And he explains it. He says, um, the more carbohydrates you consume, the less fat is consumed by the mitochondria. And the net result is an elevation of blood fat. In other words, it's a high carb diet that raises your blood fat. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the, the, there's, there's an explanation for why that's happening, but it certainly isn't to put them on a prescription diet that is super high in carbs or go to a raw diet, low in fat. Mm-hmm. Now we always say that the minimum, you know, fat and you the dogs need the fat. They need it for their energy, their brains, their organs, everything. Yep. So let's go with 10% fat. And that is animal fat, not cooked fat. No, not carb fat. So, you know, Brian, he, he sent me this, uh, I was talking to him yesterday and he said, I have a great question that I want to pose to vets. And he, and this is based on the complete and balanced term. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said, if kibble fed diets of which they promote, which is their prescription diets are complete and balanced then why do they have an entire waiting room of itchy pets, of pets with pancreatitis, of uh, pets with liver and kidney issues? If in fact their diets that they are recommending are complete and balanced, wouldn't that make it where the dogs were healthier if in fact it was complete and balanced? That's a good question, Brian. Good question. question. Because, you know, they're always saying, well, the raw diet is not complete and balanced. Mm -hmm. What the heck does that mean, Mr. White Coat, as Dr. Faulkner would say? Yes. um, I I heard a great, I I forget, I think it might have been even Dr. Faulkner who said, you know, balanced is just a term to, we balance out all the bad. (laughs) With some of the good. Like, it's not, it's not nutritionally helpful to the body at all. But hey, it's balanced whatever the hell that means. Well, that means that AAFCO sat around and said, Hey, let's put this in there and that in there and that in there. And then that's complete balance. Well, why do we have so many sick dogs? Mm -hmm. Come on. We've got to think logically on this Monday morning, Dr. Andy. And then maybe if we think logically on Monday, it will carry through to Friday and quite possibly Sunday. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you know, you know, it's, 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 Maybe. <laughs> hey, did you hear the new one that uh, not only are we supposed to give up our gas stoves, but now we need to give up our coffee for climate change? Did you hear that one? What's with the gas stoves? Oh well, it just you know <laughs> missed that one. Yeah, I missed yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, they were they're they're coming at us with all these different things to protect the planet because don't you know, Doctor Andy? Why coffee? It's it's vegan. It's vegetarian. It's all right. I don't know. It's got a carbon footprint that uh, whatever. I'm not giving up my coffee. Okay. You give up your coffee. You're going to have a lot of angry people. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's sort of like when the pandemic hit and they were trying to shut down the Um, liquor stores stores. (laughs) and it, and literally here in Colorado, they were shut down for about 10 minutes. I thought it was like six hours, but whatever, whatever. (laughs) the the mayor and the governor came out and went, sorry, sorry, folks, we'll open those back up. (laughs) They were lined. They were wrapped around the block. It was awful. It was really funny. They were like, we're not going into this pandemic without my liquor. Mm -hmm. We're going to riot on that one. We may not riot for food, but we're going to riot for. There would be a riot on coffee though. Come on. Yeah. I wonder what the big. Uh, and I'm not seeing anything come out from Starbucks or, or uh, who is it? Uh, uh, who, uh, Dunn Brothers. Is it Dunn Brothers? I don't know. Is that Dunkin' Donuts? No. Um, it, it, um, I don't know who the Dunn Brothers are. I mean, Dunkin' I Donuts I'm, is huge. Yeah, Dunkin' or any of those people. Yeah. I wonder what they're having to say about this get rid of your coffee scheme. As I, I don't know. It. I hadn't seen it. 
I'd love to hear it. All right. You know what I'd love to hear from you, though, is we're going to talk about applied kinesiology, which is the, is that the formal term for muscle testing? Yes, that's the, that is um, like muscle, it's interchangeable. People will go back and forth with the terms. I kind of look at muscle testing as the tool within the technique of applied kinesiology, because it is a technique, especially in the chiropractic world, but, uh, you know, anybody can use it. It's not solely just for chiropractors and it's not, and lay people can learn how to use it for themselves and for their animals too. Well, how did muscle testing even come about? Um, it's been around for a long time, actually a couple of physiologists, didn't they find it? I wrote this down. I have to go find it. Um, cause I don't remember. Yeah, it was what, 1950, 1949, two physiotherapists figured out that individual muscles, um, tell us stuff about the whole neuromuscular skeletal system and we can wow. ask the body stuff. You know, I used to, um, do commercials for, uh, uh, oh my gosh, you know what? I haven't had enough coffee, but, <laughs> but, uh, Carolyn Sutherland is her name and she's since retired, but she, I used to do the voiceover stuff for her show, but she wrote a book and it was called the body knows mm-hmm. the body knows. And she, um, she was very much into all of this. So, let's talk about muscle testing. What is, what is the, the advantage to muscle? Well, first of all, let's go back. How does one communicate with the muscles in the body? So we're calling that muscle testing. So how do you use it? How, how do you teach it? If you were to teach it, um, Just kind of go over that with us to see if maybe some of our pet parents want to uh, get involved and use it on their pets. Right. And it definitely would be easier on TV, right? Just. Right. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. (laughs) Um, And there's there's self-testing and then there's two people testing. And so I think a lot of people are familiar. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but some people may be familiar with picking up a supplement and just holding it over their heart to see if their body sways yes or no. So you can do this without picking up anything. Okay. And you can just stand there, put your hands over your heart and ask your body to show me a yes. And you may sway forward. You may sway backwards. You have to figure that out for yourself. Which one is your yes. Okay. Then you can stand, you can stand there, put your hands over your heart and uh, say, my name is Susan. And do you get a yes or no, depending on if your name is Susan or not. If it's not, you should sway. Generally, it's backwards as a no. And that is the simple way to practice with it, to get a sense of what your yes and your no is. And then you can transfer that to more self-testing. People use uh, like an okay sign and the other thumb It doesn't matter left or right, whatever you want to do. And you can use your other thumb and pull through that O-ring or that okay sign. Same thing is my name, Susan. And if your thumb breaks through your thumb and your finger, and that is your yes or your no, like it's definitely easier on TV, right? And you can Google all of this and you can find videos. I would go to YouTube. I bet you would find tons of videos showing you how to self-test and muscle test. Um, and get an idea of what it is for you. And you just practice with yourself first, like don't involve your animal. Um, and even when you start to involve your animal, then you are, that ups the level, right? Like I've been doing this 20 years. Um, and in the beginning, I really sucked at it. And it's, <laughs> and it's very frustrating in the beginning. Was that a yes? Is that a no? Am I right? Is this right? You know, like you start to question yourself. Um, And so it's definitely, you know, next time you're in whole foods or whatever, and you're in the vitamin aisle, pick up a vitamin, ask your body if this is good for your body and see what happens. Play with it. Just play with it. Um, Yeah. But then there's the O-ring with your fingers. I use what's called an, I've modified because you'll, if you do it as much as I do, you figure out what works for you. And I've modified another chiropractic technique 
that involves an occipital drop. So I actually use two hands on the animal to read their yes or no. Um, other animal chiropractors actually use the pet parent or have an assistant and they're touching the animal and you're using their arm. So, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. All right. So when I was looking into muscle testing, they said one of the, the first things that you want to do and that you gave a sort of a general overview, but one of the first things that you want to do is ground yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you ground yourself? How do you know you're grounded? What's your best tips? Now I've got, I know how I did it when I was on stage, right? So mm-hmm. I would walk on the stage and in that moment that you walk on the stage, any, and I've done, um, you know, I've sang for the New York Yankees, right? So there's 48,000 people in the stands and believe you me, you better get yourself grounded when you mm-hmm. walk out there or, and, and especially when you're singing, um, the national anthem without any music, right? You've got to get grounded. You've got to get your mind in the right place. Or as we've seen from many, many people, they're going to go off track. So, um, I know for me, my technique was always, that I I planted my feet on the ground. I felt my you know uh, feet uh, on the earth, and I felt like I was a um, a a tree where my roots went all the way down into the ground. And that way, I centered myself. You know, I took some deep breaths in through the the diaphragm, and as and as and it filled up as much as I can to get myself centered. And then you got to go because you don't have a whole lot of time. But I did it so many times. Uh, getting on stage. But I will tell you this, that, I mean, <laughs> it really works because I can't tell you how many times I walked on stage and had no idea what I was supposed to say. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like everything just went right out of my head. And you right. think for that one moment, oh my gosh, I mm-hmm. don't remember what my first line is here. So um yeah, but it, it always showed up for you, didn't it? It did show up. And and it, the other thing, you know, as I was looking into how you do muscle testing, it was saying practice, practice, practice. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I've been on stage since I was, you know, very, very young, but it never it, that that blankness always appears at some point in time. You have to know that you're going to pop out of it. Right. You have to have that confidence if you uh, get involved in that fear and, uh, you know, being keyed up, you, you're going to screw yourself up. But anyway, uh, that is the way that I always grounded myself. What's a good, uh, way that you ground yourself? Well, I think that's a great way. And we, I even talked about it. I do more because I don't see them as often and I don't see them at all anymore. Horses. I did a lot more grounding with the horses and getting them grounded, um, than I do with the dogs. Now, with that said, I think I kind of like you just automatically do it. And I can tell, and you asked me about this, you know, can I be off for a day? And absolutely. Like you can have an off day, right? With your own muscle testing. I can usually pick it up and then I will same thing, feet on the ground, you know, drop your roots all the way to the center of the earth. Um, feel your hands on your thighs, feel your hands on your stomach and just like get back in your body and get yourself grounded. And I do it super, super quick with the animals. When they come in, I do check if they are quote unquote grounded. We, in the type of AK that I do, we, um, I ask them if they're switched and if they're switched, I unswitch them so I can get all the proper readings from that too. So they can be switched. If they've just came through a very stressful situation, like some of the animals spent, you know, went to the ER just a couple of days prior to seeing me because of, um, some kind of pain, they could be switched. Like that was very stressful. So we just switch them back. Um, I rub a couple points on their chest to get that done. It's super easy. Um, you could even run a couple, just rub a couple spots. Um, there's the, your clavicles, right. And there's the little notch. That's where your thymus sits. So on either side of that, you just rub there. And that would, if you're getting like, you know, your yes is forward, right. When you're standing, you know, that, but one day it just keeps going backwards and you're just not getting, it's just not making any sense. Rub just on the other side, just on either side of that, um, clavicle notch right there and see if that 
unswitches you. That is definitely easier when you're working with somebody else, um, but you can do that. So, you know, I find it interesting that one of the things that they, we, we talk about grounding, right? And why do we mm-hmm. ground? Because we get in our head, right? We get in our mm-hmm. stories. And I think that it'd be easy to have a animal that's grounded because they don't get in their stories, mm-hmm. right? They yeah. don't play out their, you know, I always say, um, you know, we, one of the things that causes us so much stress as human beings is our stories. It may not even be happening. It's what we're, so anxiety, right? A fear of the unknown. We start running a story in our head that's not even there. Let's say we get a diagnosis um, that the dog has cancer, right? So now we're running out this story about how sad it's going to be when they're gone and how terrible it's going to be for the next couple of months and how sad the dog is. And I mean, we're just not even in our body to deal with what is right in front of us. Mm -hmm. Maybe the dog isn't even showing symptoms at the moment. Right. And so we have, we're missing out on all of this time with our animal uh, because we're running a story in our head. Now we're causing anxiety. Now the dog is picking up on anxiety. So getting grounded is very much just getting out of your freaking head. Wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, do we have a non-grounded or a switched animal based on their people? Probably. And it's a very, very actually small percentage that I have to unswitch. It just doesn't seem to happen that often with them. Nice. Now, another uh, thing that I read about muscle testing uh, from this particular uh, site that they were talking about, they said, Make sure the practitioner and the client are well hydrated. Now, I think that that is incredibly important as we, you and I both have been looking at Dr. Thomas Cowan's work um, and water, right? And so in his book, you know, Cancer and the Biology of Water, obviously he's big on water and good water in the body because that has a certain frequency in order for us to pick up information in the world. And I thought that was incredibly important when you're talking about muscle testing, hydrating, hydrating cells operate the best when they're fully hydrated. Absolutely. And so you're going to get the best communication. If you have some really good water in there and your cells actually can get the water. Like I think some, a lot of us here in Colorado, right. Walk around with our water bottles, drink, 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 drink. Is any of that actually getting in the cells or are you just in the bathroom all day long? (laughs) Right. Right. Because we talked about it briefly about the water one that we both have. And ever since I started using that, I don't urinate as much. Like I know, and I, but I'm also not retaining it and all bloated. So I know it's actually going into my cells and my cells are much happier. It's very interesting. And so my animals, all of their water is now water wanded or structured. And that's what they get. Mine too. Mine too. So I have uh, like the the large uh, waters that come from El Dorado water. Mm-hmm. And then they go into a glass container and then I structure them with the water wand. And yeah. uh, then I pour them in their bowl. I use it for my coffee. That yep. I will not give up no matter how much it affects the climate. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> give me the proof. I want to see the proof on that, right? So uh, I, I I think there's a lot of things that get thrown out there that have absolutely no scientific backing whatsoever, mm-hmm. which by the way, if you guys uh, read Dr. Brady's book, Feeding Dogs, you're going to see that a lot of the things that are out there in the world, no scientific backing. It's just a bunch of sphincter stuff. Well, and even if there is scientific backing, where where's the bias? Who did it? Like there's a certain joint supplement out there that has done all these studies. Yeah, they've done it all themselves on their own product. Like, so there's bias in there. So it, you really just have to educate, 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 look at different places and know your sources. Yes. Yes. Educate, educate. In in a world that doesn't like to read, Dr. Andy, <laughs> uh, uh, not you. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that are like, I, you know, I don't, I don't like to read and I like to read, uh, you know, even Twitter's getting too long, right? We just need one, oh, you know, it's like, well, 
that's not going to be good for you. <laughs> that's not going to bode well. As a matter of fact, I've been, you know, every year you go through this cleansing, like your house, you're like getting rid of all the clothes you you're not going to wear and all the stuff. And right now I have a really hard time letting go of books because I'm thinking they may take all of that. Right. Yes. And I've got these 1920 encyclopedias. I want to make sure. Yeah. I want to make sure I keep those. And I start looking around at some of my leadership books that I had and certainly all the dog books. And I'm like, "Mm, may not want to get rid of those. Mm -hmm. Who who knows what's going to happen on the information on the worldwide net. Right. Correct. Correct. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about this muscle testing. Um, One question I have. All right. So it always says set your intention, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, to me, that seems a little bit um, confusing. If you set your intention, aren't you basically setting up the answer that you want to get? And couldn't you get a false answer if you set your intention? Absolutely. Ah! Well, that was easy. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to fight me on that one. No, I'm not going to fight you on that at all. Because yes, if you if you were, let's say, thinking that you need vitamin C for yourself and you need this and you need this and you're going to test, it's going to come up. Yes. Like if you are that set on it. Now, I don't do a lot of intention on purpose. I ask a lot more questions. Body, do you require this vitamin C? And that allows the body to answer you. It's when you go in with, you already know you need it, that yeah, you're going to get a yes that you need it. And so um, I ask a lot of, I guess, open-ended questions about the animals. I may not. My very first question to a client when they first come in the door is, tell me about Fluffy. But you're actually saying this. You're not saying yes, it. Yes, I head. actually say it outside to the client. Tell me about Fluffy. I don't ask, well, tell me what happened to their leg. You know, no, I want you to tell, and I want to know where these people go with it. Some tell me their horrific rescue story. I'm like, oh Lord. Okay. That tells me a lot. Some tell me, oh, they're just wonderful. And they're so happy. And I love those. Those are awesome. Like that's a very balanced, usually owner about everything. And then some just dive deep into this horrific story on how they hurt themselves and la la la. And so that, but I don't, I try to keep an open mind. I try to open the owner's mind with that. And I go, okay, let's see what we got. And I think people stare at me because I don't start with the problem leg. Mm. I have a routine. I, I do. I have, I like to start at the head and go to the butt and then back up. Um, but that just kind of organizes my thoughts more than anything. So I don't miss anything, but I don't. And sometimes there's very little activity adjustments, whatever at the problem site. And it just mystifies people because I'm asking the body, where do I go next? What is, you know, okay. Do what lumbar needs to be adjusted, what thoracic. And that's all through my muscle testing. But I, I really try not to get caught up in the problem. Although I've seen so many patterns over the years that I can pretty much tell you it'll be X, Y, Z. Like I just can't. And can you, can you give us an example of that? What you see? Uh, um, well, we'll go with the, when everything, when the dog goes in limping in the rear, right? Okay. Okay. 80% of most vets go, the ACL is torn partially or completely. And that's possible. That is, that is what could be going on. The owners come in, they even took an x-ray. Yep. They're looking for a little dark triangle behind the knee. What that actually just indicates is it's inflamed. Mm. You can't see if that ligament is torn a little bit or a lot. You can't see it, but you can see that there's inflammation. So the devil's in the details. Yes, you have inflammation in the knee. That's all that's telling you. They go and tell you, oh, you need surgery. So just just from that one little piece Mm -hmm. they're saying your dog needs surgery oh yes i thought that it was i i assumed wrong uh i assumed that there was more to that 
Well, they also do the drawer test. It's an orthopedic exam of moving the tibia with the fe- with the femur. And if it moves a lot, that is actually a better indication in my book than the damn x-ray. But they put those two things together. But I have met um, pit bulls and boxers that they don't have a drawer and they actually have a torn ACL because they're so muscled up because 80% of all joint stability is muscle. Now, ligaments only a small portion of that. Um, it's a it's it makes a big deal pain and what needs to be done for the animal. But if you have a highly muscled up animal, you may not know that that's ligaments been injured at all. Um, and so I personally like the sit test. But anyway, so back to AK, we can talk about that another time. But I'm like, okay, well. Yes, they are offsetting. They're doing this. I go, okay, bring them in. Let's see. Because what also can be there is a rotated pelvis. And it will look like uh, a partial CCL tear. Why? Why does it look like that? Because the pelvis will rotate. Not that we can see it, but enough where maybe they're getting sciatica down one leg or the one leg, it just really depends on which way. The, uh, this is a lot. Okay. <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. a lot. Ground yourself. I know, right? Like, okay. So let's say the, the pelvis is like a steering wheel in a dog. So it'll be rotated, let's say, to the left. Let's say you cannot see that. It is millimeters, but the body knows that it is rotated. So now that left leg could be having a lot of stress and they're limping on it because there's pain on it or the right leg is being stretched and there's pain going down the right. So I can't tell you which side that pelvis is rotated depending on which leg they're limping on. But if we straighten that out, we get the psoas is firing. We get the lumbar spine feeling better. Um, If they're 80% better the next day, there's not a CCL tear. And that's what I tell people. Come on in. Let's try this. Let's give this a whirl. You tell me what they're like the next day. The other part of that, that I absolutely love that everyone can do at home is that perfect sit, right? Perfect sit, both legs tucked in nice. Those knees are bent. They're not sitting sloppy. It's not a CCL tear. Oh, it's a pelvis or a lumbar. Um, because knees that have a CCL issue tear completely partial, blah, 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 cannot tuck that knee. They cannot do it. They will kick out a leg. They will sit offset. Um, and actually the sitting offset can still be pelvis or hip, but we, and sometimes I'm like, Oh, this is a knee. This is a knee, but I get in there and follow the body. And sometimes they're still 80% better the next day. Then we do it again. Well, what if, I mean, can it be like, does it have to be the next day? Is that the telltale mm-hmm. sign? If, mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not like yes. two days later. It's... No. And that's why I say 80% because maybe two days later, they're even better than that. But it has to be immediate improvement. And if it's, if it's a knee, you generally do not see any improvement the next day. You really don't. And that's kind of why I use that. So people know it, you know, oh, maybe they're just a little bit better. Yeah, no, it's a knee. (laughs) Wow. Now from there, what you decide to do, and if you want to let the body heal it and do rehab and, and do that or surgery, that's a whole different conversation, um, that I could probably spend a whole day on, honestly. Why, why, since we're talking about, uh, is it ACL or CCL in dogs? It's, it's CCL in dogs and it's an ACL in people. So we have an anterior collateral ligament. They have a cruciate collateral ligament. Got it. It does the same function and it goes across the back of the knee to stabilize the knee. So it's the exact same structure mm-hmm. um, as us. So a a lot of people say, I've heard this and I want to check this with what you think, that if you go in and do this surgery, the CCL surgery, Mm -hmm. that uh, the majority of the time they will blow out their other knee. Do you see that? Is that true? Why? 
Why is that? Because this one, one is because the doc, the one, because the doctor puts it in the parent's head. Oh, <laughs> yikes. Mm-hmm. Right. We talked about this. If you, if you are going to blow the other knee in a year, they're going to blow the other knee in a year, in a year. Okay. So that's one. Um, two, you, if you do a TPLO, which is plates pounded into the femur and the tibia, um, a bionic knee versus a natural knee. So they're going to probably run harder and use it. And can the other knee keep up? And three, um, is you don't change the nutrition. If you're still feeding kibble, those ligaments are not getting the proper nutrition. They are going to be weak and the other one's going to blow. Now, if you do a TPLO, you change the nutrition, you go to species appropriate, you feed those nutrition, you feed those ligaments with organs and muscle meat. It may not, it may not go, but people don't change the food. Yeah, I had, uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, and you can't just supplement your way out of that folks. Like you can't just give like, you know, Arnica or jumper joints or Mm -hmm. things like that. If you're still feeding crappy food. So I had someone call yesterday and she said, I understand that you have gut soothe or healthy gut. Um, she wanted this for her dog. And I said, well, tell me what's going on first with this particular dog. And she said, well, he's got yeasty paws and yeasty ears. I said, well, what are we feeding? Well, I'm feeding uh, honest kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you do know that's about 45% sugar? So we are increasing the yeast, uh, the, the, you know, in the body. So Mm -hmm. I said, I don't want to waste your money. Um, if you continue to put in that, uh, substance in the dog, we're going to continue to probably have this problematic yeast. We can't just, I can sell you the gut soothe. I can sell Mm -hmm. you, you know, which is really not even going to address that really, but, um, I said, um, and, and and she said, well, I travel, I cannot travel with raw. And I said, okay, just so that you understand what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, maybe you want to try the yeasty bee spray. It's a topical thing, um, you know, but we're still not going to address the yeast. Mm-hmm. You might, you might address a little bit of the, um, the itching that's going on, but it was really funny that I, and I, I don't remember who advised her, but Again, this advice was not getting to the heart of the matter, but that all just to say, guys, a lot of people will push supplements and not change the food. We have to change the food, whether that is because of pancreatitis or inflammation. And I think it's cruel, Dr. Andy, that we pump animals full of carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. causing them to act out, and then Mm -hmm. we punish them for acting out. Uh That's not, that's, that's, to me, that's cruel. That's, that's not right. No. And you've been in the industry long enough, right? You've been around a lot of dogs. The behavior issues have gone through the roof and it's diet related. It's carbohydrate related. It's, you know, generations of vaccines related, but you, you, you drug them up. um, You spend hundreds upon hundred dollars at those veterinary behaviorists, which this is how I explain it to clients. You have your, um, dog behaviorist, right? Those are your psychologists. They can't prescribe drugs. You go to the veterinary behaviorist. Those are your psychiatrists and all they're going to give you is drugs. Um, and so keep that in mind when you go and spend your $600 with your veterinary behaviorist, cause you're going to get, um, an SSRI, which is basically your Prozac, your Zoloft. They have numerous ones. They don't work worth crap. They've got new studies in people that show that it's basically placebo. Um, and they don't work. Um, and they certainly don't work in your dog, change the food, pull the overactive child with fur and four feet off the sugar, the dyes, everything, and see what you get. And then go, if you still need to work with some behavior stuff or some other stuff and get your dog behaviorist, but you got to change the food or you're just wasting your money. Exactly. Raw is too expensive. Now you're blowing it all over the place. I bet sit down pen to paper. And raw will make more sense. Pen to paper, people. Well, if it costs $7 a day to feed a, let's just say, and, and more for mm-hmm. you, Kirk. All right. So let's just say yeah. $7 a day for the mm-hmm. for the average medium-sized dog or whatever. Uh, I mean, that's just a Starbucks coffee. Mm-hmm. Brew your own at home. 
had a gentleman in dog was young. Oh, such a sweet man. The dog. Um, Wait, and the, we, it was a sweet the, dog man or man yeah, dog? <laughs> the dog? The dog was so sweet. Okay. Um, and he's young. He still has his balls. I'm like, keep those. That's awesome. Um, for another year. And he's like, okay. And he's like, okay, what do we need to feed him? Cause he'd stop. He doesn't want to eat his kibble anymore. <laughs> like, um, you go raw and I go, he goes, how much is he going to probably eat? I'm like, here's raw dog food and company, figure it out. It's probably two pounds a day, maybe $300 a month. He goes, okay. Good for him. I'm like, and I tell people all the time, I go, you want to put your money where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck and getting them on a raw food species appropriate diet is the biggest bang for your buck. It is. I mean, just all the way around from all the, the way around long term, yeah. everything to the trips to the vet, to the n- number of supplements to it just is. Yeah. And uh, from the inflammation, um, mm-hmm. from the um, lack of nutrition that is really in, uh, again, these prescription diets, there mm-hmm. is nothing prescription in there. Everything you can get outside of your vet They've just put those together as a brand for mm-hmm. uh, the vets to be able to sell those exclusively, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so it really is not beneficial for your pet. And um, I get it. I get it. I get it that it is an investment. But why do we have these animals if we're not going to take care of them? Mm-hmm right? We have to take care of them. And is it fair? Is it fair that they get jacked up on sugar, that their body is full of inflammation, that they, um, you know, hurt themselves running and, and these, in these tears happen, uh, because quite frankly, they're not being fed a good diet. You know, their, their body's just weaker all over. Right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So you have to really look at it from that aspect. And I do think that you can move money around. I mean, really, we can't. Absolutely. I've seen it. I've seen it. And that's why I say, take pen to paper, figure it out, figure out what you do with all the prescriptions, all your visits in a year and move the money around. And, And this is what you value most. And, and if you want a happy, healthy, vital pet, you need to change the food. Yeah. Oh, my dog's fine on kibble. Yeah. Are they really like, are they like not injuring themselves? Are they vital? Are they just calm and happy? Like my, you come into my house, mine are idiots. But other than that, people that spend time with my animals are like, we have very nice animals. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, they're all just calm and easy and you know, not inflamed not hopped up on junk. No. Yeah. And I, and I would say that UTIs, right. I don't know how many dogs you see that have UTIs, but when you're feeding a dry diet guys, and then you're throwing in a bunch of oxalates on top of that, right. Oxalates mm-hmm. or a bunch of green leafies. Cause you think that's, I mean, stop feeding the spinach Yeah, it's in everything. Right. So <laughs> th- this could cause some problems and I know how uncomfortable that is for me. Oh my gosh. I hate that. Right. So we don't want to, we don't want to be doing things. And you think about it, Dr. Andy, all of that stuff is just pushing that dog towards some sort of medical problem. Right. I was really, it's not normal to have UTIs. I think some people normalize this stuff. Well, they they always get one or two a year. Uh, Not supposed to be happening folks. Well, you look at um, you look at the way we normalize cancer, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's so prevalent in people and in pets that we're just like, well, yeah, they got cancer, but we never say what led up to that because it just doesn't appear mm-hmm. in people or in pets. There's something that is not going right in the body, and um, Dr. Cowan, somebody asked him the other day on his podcast. What would you do if your cats got cancer? Mm-hmm. 
and he is feeding a raw diet. He doesn't vaccinate, doesn't do flea and tick. He doesn't do heartworm. He said, I would go through every aspect of their life. I would look in the barn. I would say, is there anything toxic in the barn? I would look at their water. I would look at, um, he, he was just, he was like their bedding. He was like, I would look at every single thing because something contributed to that. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't happen. Like we, like you said, we normalize cancer. So people are like, oh, they got it. No, instead of using that as a, a learning thing for you, your animal's showing you something, going down a different journey where did it come from? What did you do that you won't do again to another animal? I just had a client in this week. She has a little, um, pity seeing Judy for ozone has osteosarcoma amputated the leg. And she's like, Oh my God, I will never do X, Y, Z again. Um, they now eat raw. The other dog has completely transformed and is feeling so much better. She's like, I, this is sad. This is awful, but I am so grateful that she's showing me all this. And because she now knows better, she's doing better. And that's what we all need to do. We learn things and then we just do the same thing we've always done anyway. Like I literally have had other clients sit in front of me. Oh yeah. The last dog had a vaccine reaction to the rabies shot. We're taking the puppy in tomorrow to get his vaccine, his rabies. I'm like, if you know better, you need to do better people. If this happened to that dog, what's to say it's not going to happen to this dog again? Like why? I, I don't understand that. That is what I don't understand. You don't know what you don't know, but when you know it, do better, right. do different, take a different look at it. That, that is what I, I, well, that just, you can tell it just irritates the hell out of me. I, that I, injured my standard poodle jacks with vaccines he got super sick he almost died on me you know what stop doing that shit yeah i did better he showed me something and i'm so grateful for that same thing with my mom's dog uh that passed at about 17 you know that first time that she did that and that dog almost died you know anaphylactic shock she never did it again right Mm -hmm. um it wasn't like oh well maybe that was a fluke or you know, I've got mm-hmm. to because there's a law and I mm-hmm. get that. I get that. I get that. But um, what did Neely say the other day? She said something. I wish I could repeat it. It had something to do with if a law is not serving you or serving your dog's health, then maybe that law needs to be changed or broken. It was a paraphrase. I'm not sure right. exactly how she said that, but that's what she said. Mm-hmm. But to your point uh, with this uh, pity parent right? The, the mm-hmm. pit bull parent, they actually saw a difference, right? So there, there are a lot of people out there that are still feeding kibble that can't really imagine the difference yet. Mm-hmm. They haven't changed their dog over yet. Right. And someone was asking me the other day, well, what, you know, um, I actually got this question. Uh, what makes your food better than uh, my diamond pet food? And it was, it was kibble. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, well, besides all of these other toxins, but here's what it's going to do for your dog. And, and and I think that people don't realize the great things that they're going to see from their dog, mm-hmm. right? The personality, the calmness, the non-itching, the, the brighter, the I'm happier because I'm not dealing with this inflammation. And we know that animals don't complain like humans, right? So when they don't feel good, they really don't feel good. Right. And then before that, your animal's baseline could have been mediocre. And you don't know until you change the diet. Like if they've always kind of felt suboptimal and they were always kind of happy and they're always, you know, you don't know till you change it. Like my, back to Jax, he was suboptimal from the day I got him. I didn't know all of his gut issues that he came with. I didn't know there was IBS 20 years ago. It wasn't until I changed his food that he felt much better that I'm like, oh, buddy, sorry about that. <laughs> Oops. But <laughs> but that's how he showed up, right? He always showed, he showed up not wanting to eat. He showed up with diarrhea. He showed up. So that must all be him. And I did not run to my vet because 
I'm a chiropractor and I'm a pain in the ass. Um, and I worked through it with his food and he was, he, to the day he died, he was a difficult eater. Um, he showed me so much. He showed me so damn much. And I am so grateful for our time together, but yeah, I changed his food and he's like, Oh God, thank you. I'm like, Oh, sorry, buddy. And maybe it, it, maybe it doesn't look like diarrhea. Maybe it's their, their disposition. Maybe it's their behavior. Like it's every animal, like the shepherd we talked about, it was his digestion, not his low back. Like you, you have to pay attention. You have to change things and you have to see what your animals are telling you that way. I think it's so, um, now that I've done chiropractic on my animals for how long have I been with you now? Austin has been maybe a year. Year. Regular, very regular. I mean, we've seen her over the years, but yeah. 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 I just think it's such an amazing addition to their overall health, right? It's, it opens up the meridians. Um, Certainly you as a chiropractor see things in my animal that I would never see, right? Mm -hmm. That I don't even understand. So I think people should find one um, that, that their dog likes Mm-hmm. And that they like, right? But I do think yep. that, um, you know, it's sort of like in training, um, our shits in training. If your dog does not like that trainer, you probably don't want to be with that trainer. If your dog doesn't like that chiropractor, you probably don't want to be with that chiropractor, right? Because and so to- on and so forth, all of the things, right? Yeah. Pay attention to that. Do 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 you feel like your the dogs that come see you? know that you're going to make them feel better and they appreciate that as they're coming they in. And then... I, they do. And it amazes me every single day. They do. Um, I, this is probably the clearest communication I've had in a long time, but I had a border collie. I've known her since she was eight weeks old and she gets adjusted every once in a while with her older brother. And, but she always comes and she doesn't much care for me. She really doesn't. She doesn't much care for the fact that I make her do something she doesn't want to do, which is sit there while I adjust her. (laughs) And um, not this last adjustment, the adjustment before that, it was just maintenance and some spots hurt. And she kept turning around, trying and snapping at me. Um, And I'm like, lift her dead in the eye. And I go, you do that again. I'm putting a party hat on you. Is that a muzzle? Yeah, that's a muzzle. And (laughs) she's a border collie. She didn't do it again smart girl. She did not do it again. And she made it through her adjustment. And she's like, I'm, and then I saw her brother and she still had to hang out. She's not making eye contact and she's not happy with me. And this whole thing is stupid. Um, but as they're getting ready to leave, she goes to the door with dad and then, but she zooms back by, gives me a nice lick on the hand. And then she goes back to the door. Oh, like, thanks. It was so like the mom and dad saw it was really, really sweet of her. Like, okay, fine. I feel better. Um, in the last visit, she did hurt herself. She did not snap at me. I actually, no, we just went ahead and muzzled her, but she just sat there and was like, you could just tell she was just so grateful. Like she knew this was the spot she needed to be. And that parents, pet parents report a lot. Like they've been to the vet, they've been over here. This is what's going on. And oh my God. And they get in and they just kind of lay down like, ah, this is the place I needed to be. Like, it's amazing. And people are like, I had one client who was an Australian shepherd. We had to muzzle that thing too. Um, I'm like, how does she do with your grandchildren? And he's like, oh, she's fine. I'm like, geez, cause she was mean and she was painful and he goes, it's a good thing they forget between visits. And I'm looking at him going, you're an idiot. They do not forget because she would get better each visit because she felt better each visit. And now I, even if we have a really rough first appointment, like they are super sore and don't want to do this and blah, blah, blah. 98% of them run back in and hop on the table because they must make the connection. They feel better. They just must. I mean, 20 years of this. Cause they just must, cause they happily come back in. Right. You know what? I know that dogs remember. Um, oh, they remember. But, well, here, here's a, just a simple <laughs> example. So I give Asta, my 14 year old jump for joints. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's a spray. So I lift up her lip and I just spray it in her mouth. Right. 
But I've done that. I, I've given Lazi, my four-year-old, that uh, a couple of times. She absolutely knows they'll be they'll be laying in their beds and they're side by side. I'll go over in the cabinet, get the jump for joints, and I'm walking towards Asta, and Lazi has got her ears down. She's like, please, please, please don't spray that in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And and she just knows. It's just weird. It must be, I don't know if it's my energy, if it's the pattern that I pull it out of the cabinet. Um, but she absolutely knows. If it's a treat in my hand or it's jump for joints. <laughs> it's because they're in your head. She read it in your head. Um, yeah. Aren't they amazing? And Asta's actually one of them that's not too keen about coming in and doing it. The adjustments. Nah, yeah. She's not too keen. But by the time she leaves, she's like, okay, I feel better again. Damn it. Like, and that's a that's a small portion of them too. Like, ugh. I don't really like the actual act of chiropractic. I really just don't like it, but damn it, I feel better. Like that's their energy. And, you know, and that's fine. They can have their opinions. And then there's some that just throw themselves and love whatever I do. And it's just, you know, preference. It's no big deal. Well, Asta, because it's, you know, that knee and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's really, uh, she's losing a lot of that, that back end movement. She doesn't like to have to get in the car. Mm-hmm. That's her thing. She's like, I don't like to have to get in the car, but I, but, but she wants to go. She just doesn't like to get in the car, mm-hmm. right? Because she is a, a big German shepherd. So we have to lift her up. She's a big girl. Yeah. And, and even if we had a ramp, she couldn't walk mm-hmm. up that ramp. Yeah. Right. So, um, and I don't know how much time she has left. You know, what what's so crazy about dog's physiology is her brain is fine. Mm-hmm right? Her brain is fine and she's still eating and everything, but there will come a point, And I know this, that if those back, if that back end stops working where she cannot walk outside, she cannot go outside and, and use the restroom then, it, or get up out of her bed or get up to eat or drink, then that's a time that she will have to be put down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know. That, I think that's the hardest is when the body stops working. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super hard for pet parents, super hard on the dog. Yeah. But at this point she's still, you know, hobbling around and I'm still going to Dr. Andy because I want to keep her here as long as she wants to be here. Right. I'm not going to be selfish and say, you have to stay here because of me. And, you know, when you look back sometimes on that decision of when you put an animal down, I think the majority of us wait a little bit too long. I always, my, what I always tell clients is a, your animal's always ready before you Mm -hmm. because they don't have a point of view about it. This is my opinion. They're going to go out and get another body. This one's not working real well. I'm out. Peace out. So they're always ready before you. I don't think there's any too early or too late. It just is for what's going on. And, and we all, people just love to beat themselves up. And they'll find anything to beat themselves up about. Oh, I put them down too early. Oh, I waited too long. Nah, nah. Your animal's always ready first and they will be ready when you're ready. And they'll just, they'll be there with you. I know. Yeah. And it's it's so hard. Never easy. Never easy. Oh, it's awful. And in this business and in your business, you know, we see them as puppies and then we see them Mm -hmm. go Mm -hmm. out. Right. And uh, it's very, it's very hard. And pet parents always say, I'm just not going to get another dog. I, I go liar. I go liars. <laughs> liars. Well, I'll give see it you a- in six months with that puppy. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> uh-huh. You'll be calling again. And that's fine too. I don't know why we keep doing this to ourselves, right? Like we do. This is we do this to ourselves. But I think it's that time with them that just is so amazing that it's worth it. And we learn so much from each and every one of them that comes into our lives. And there's such a love there that I think we miss that connection and we miss that ability to give that much love to an animal, right? Sometimes I think we can give more love to an animal than we can another human being. Uh, Uh, Yeah, we like them better (laughs) in general. (laughs) We do. (laughs) All right, everybody. Listen, if you want to learn more about muscle testing, 
You can sign up for a consultation with Dr. Andy. She can help teach you how to muscle test and talk with your pet. All right. Uh, because there's a lot to it, uh, but it's a valuable tool. And we want to make sure that you're doing it right, that your um, that your expectations aren't uh, muddying up the water. Maybe you're already doing muscle testing and you want to get a, uh, a pro session. I would say go over to animalmagiccare.com where you can sign up with Dr. Andy. And you can also sign up there for a pet health nutritional consultation. That would be a great, uh, there's so many things that you can um, sign up for with Dr. Andy. You can do a, a pet nutritional consultation. Maybe your dog is limping and you want to ask some questions. You want to get a second opinion. That's your first step in helping your dog heal. Um, and also remember that you can join Dr. Andy every Tuesday night on YouTube. And that is at Dr. Andy's World. A-N-D-I. Come with your questions every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. The first yes. step is always going to be great nutrition. And yes. uh, you, you guys start there. Yeah, absolutely. Get your dogs off of that high carb, off of that pancreatic cancer causing crap, sphincter food. Oh, it's terrible. And if you have questions, just hit that I'm overwhelmed button. We'll be glad to help you right here at rawdogfoodandco.com where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.